Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. It's the 10th of March, which means that the 12th of March is just two days away. And because it's Friday, today's the last day we get to talk before Sunday. And so I feel obligated here to offer the PSA, public service announcement, that Sunday, March the 12th is Daylight Savings Day. (sighs) Take a deep breath. That means we're going to spring forward. I think that means, does that mean we lose an hour? I think that means we lose an hour. Yeah, we lose an hour. We got to spring forward. And so instead of having an extra hour, you're going to have one less hour. But, you know, you got an extra hour back when we fell back. And so the spring forward is just leveling that out. But that also means you got to plan ahead. And so um, everything's going to be off by an hour, particularly like your body's circadian rhythm on Sunday morning. So changing the clock definitely like confuses, it's going to confuse your pets and maybe your infants. But, you know, you and I, most of us now have like devices that just like automatically reset themselves to the accurate time. Um, But it is an interesting conversation. And some of you are saying, hey, I thought uh, we talked about this and there was like a vote to make daylight savings time permanent starting this year. Yes, you're you are remembering correctly. The Senate did unanimously vote last year, last March, in favor of making daylight saving time permanent starting this year, which would eliminate the fallback time change in November, which obviously would mean then we don't have to have a spring forward one um this time of year. But um the bill died in the house last year. And so it's been recently reintroduced in the Senate. It actually is still a live debate in the culture. And yes, I recognize that many of you have very strong opinions about this. So uh, in terms of anticipating what's going to happen this weekend when things spring forward by an hour and we technically lose an hour in terms of our sleep on Sunday night, go ahead and just get up 30 minutes earlier tomorrow morning so that the hour on Sunday isn't such a jolt. And then plan in advance to keep your Sunday morning plans. Go for a walk, go to worship, spend time in fellowship with other Christians. Um, God is going to be up and at them. God is going to be ready to be worshiped and glorified at whatever time your clock happens to read. Also on Sunday, um, the Oscars. I know I'm not a big Oscar watcher, but um, there are a number of things um, going on in the Oscars related to religion and religious um, themes in um, in movies. And so the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences for Good or Ill um, actually decides on the movies that are going to shape the culture. And uh, and so what those 
movies or how those movies deal with religious storylines and religious characters, um, I think is important. Uh, And I will say that the 2023 Oscar nominees pretty much don't portray religion in the real world as anything positive, almost exclusively cartoonishly negative might be one way to describe how religion is regarded in um, in the movies that will be featured this year at the Oscars. Um, negative examples of religion, fairly standard in terms of Hollywood's treatment today. Um, I would say that um, Elvis will be an interesting one to watch the treatment of. Women Talking centers on women in a Mennonite community um, who make all of these horrendous discoveries about the men in their community. Um, That is a very negative portrayal of um, religious experience. All Quiet on the Western Front actually only makes reference to religion when one of the authorities is trying to use God and country rhetoric to inspire people to keep fighting. Um, And so that's a negative one. The Fablemans uh, is a story of Steven Spielberg's childhood, takes place obviously in the context of a Jewish family, um, but also includes a number of very negative encounters with uh, Christians portrayed in the film. I mean, on and on and on and on and on. Um, so where religion is present, it's treated negatively. Um, but I would say most of the Oscar nominees um, feature movies where religion is notably absent. Uh, um, everything, everywhere, all at once, you're going to absolutely hear a lot about during the Oscars. And it portrays a world without God. Um Uh, And God as maybe the ultimately most meaningless thing that people could be pursuing in life. Um, And so, um, you know, I just think that those are important notes for us to make as we enter into the weekend that will, for many people, uh, feature watching the Oscars. Adam Holtz is up up next from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. We're going to talk about some things on the big screen um, that are coming out. Uh, And we're also uh, we're going to talk about those earbuds and the effect that they're having on you, not only on your hearing, but on then what you are able to hear in terms of ears that hear and social isolation. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? I'm good. Hey, um, Southern Gospel. Now that yeah. has a that has a title that suggests to me that this is a movie that I might want to watch. Yeah, maybe. So this is a retelling <laughs> of the prodigal son story. It is in theaters. Uh, and I think that Southern Gospel is a very, very barely veiled reference. To Southern Baptists, honestly. Mm. Um, this oh. is about a very legalistic, almost cult-like denomination that demands all kinds of, I would say, extra biblical things, or at least 
they have very, very strong feelings on all kinds of things. And it's the story of a, a pastor and his son, and the son has a relationship with God, but really can't deal with the legalism of the denomination, takes a prodigal journey that, of course, involves prodigal things like drinking and women and drugs and that sort of thing, and then has his waking up in the pig slop moment and realizes that those things aren't getting the job done, and he comes back. And together, he and his father kind of confront the legalism in this denomination. Um, now, I could be missing my guess here. Maybe it's not about Southern Baptists, but um, it, it feels like, at the very least, it's about critiquing a very legalistic part of uh, of our Christian, you know, family, I guess you would say. And, and the reality is those pockets of believers are out there. The overarching message here is that it's not about our performance. It's not about legalistic codes of righteousness, but it's about Jesus. Um, and this is a PG-13 movie. Uh, I don't think there's anything terribly inappropriate here, but it's not perhaps as sanitized as some Christian movies are. Uh, there's a bit of profanity, which you know, we could have a discussion about how much should Christian artists sanitize their depictions of the world in the interest of not exposing us to the very things that they're critiquing. Um, and I think there are arguments to be made that, you know, they should get rid of most of it and other arguments to be made that when we do completely sanitize a story from those things, it loses a sense of, of realism and grounding. Um, and so this one kind of splits the difference. It's not gratuitous, but it's not absolutely squeaky clean. And so I think those who have had a prodigal journey of their own may see things here that uh, seem pretty familiar. Mm. Um, all right. So from Southern Gospel, I, I'm just going to really just give this on Scream 6. Just say no. I mean, I, right. can can we just dispense with that one? Yeah. I mean, so that, it's a, it's a yeah, franchise just, that's been around a long time. And just say no. <laughs> just say no. Uh, the Magic Flute. Yeah, The Magic Flute is a sort of vaguely Narnia slash Harry mm -hmm. Potter-esque fantasy um, about a young boy whose dad is dying. His dad went to the Mozart Academy, um, and The Magic Flute, of course, is a piece that Mozart wrote a story that his dad has a copy of and has stolen it from the library and says you have to take it back and put it in the school library in this exact spot which of course we know aha something magical is about to happen um, and this young boy gets transported into a magical realm where he is a very harry potter-esque kind of hero and then it kind of bounces back and forth between the real world and the fantasy world. So this is fun as far as it goes. And it's a pretty, it's a pretty delightful, if familiar kind of story. Now that said, uh, there is a lot of emphasis on um, Freemasonry of all things and Egyptian mythology, which um, the magic flute really delves into uh, and is kind of infatuated with. And so there's a, a strange amount of kind of odd spiritual content to deal with here. I think it's navigable if the story sounds interesting to you, 
but uh, definitely this isn't one that I would probably let kids watch without your supervision and without planning a conversation to follow it up, um, even though it's PG and there's not that much other content. But even if you look at the picture of, uh, of the main character, his name is Tim Walker, and then he becomes a, another character named Prince Tamino in the fantasy world. I mean, it straight up looks like Harry Potter. Like he's got the uniform, mm -hmm. he's got the tie, put glasses on him and he's Harry Potter's little brother, right? So mm -hmm. um, that is where we're at with this one. All right. Uh, for those of you texting in, um, no, the uh, the no, my immediate no was to Scream 6. Scream 6 was <laughs> the movie to which I just said, just say no. Southern Gospel is the movie that Adam uh, previewed before previewing The Magic Flute, all of which you can read the full reviews um, at pluggedin.com. So that's where we're going to direct you for the full reviews and how to plan for a follow-up conversation with your kids or grandkids to deal with the strange spiritual content of the magic flute should you choose to watch it. There you go. Um, all right. Uh, now I have your attention because some of you are listening with earbuds in and you're like, what? What? Hearing loss and social isolation? What's up with earbuds? That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. I'm not just hoping, I'm not just wishing, I know I'm praying. <laughs> Continuing our conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Um, all right, Adam, since I know that right now, if he's listening, my husband is listening with his AirPods in. Um, talk, let's talk about earbuds or AirPods or whatever people are calling them today. Um, and and you guys have a really interesting blog posted at PluggedIn.com on this topic. Earbuds, hearing loss, and social isolation. Adam Holtz, read us in. Well, I wrote this last week, and it started out as a blog about the danger of hearing loss. Uh, experts are raising or sounding the alarm that it's really easy to listen to these little things we stick in our ears at levels that could cause significant hearing loss. And that's true, especially, it won't shock you, among teens and adults. Um, so you're probably not listening to a podcast or talk radio at a level that's going to hurt your ears. But if you like certain kinds of music, uh, you know, I, Adam, I love Adam. live music. Adam, you don't yes. think people are listening to me at a volume that hopefully not painful. There you go. Right. right. Listen no, to the I, soothing. I, listen to the soothing <laughs> tones of Carmen LaBerge. There you go. And, and we, we're going to rename you Smooth Jazz Carmen LaBerge. Smooth right? Jazz. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but that's it was, probably it was Bill, interesting. Hey, if, on our network, that's definitely Bill Arnold, by the way. Anyway, that go is ahead. Bill Arnold. Yeah, I love Bill, Bill Arnold. Arnold. I used to, yeah, me too. used to talk to him on Friday mornings a long time ago. Um, but as I got into this article, I began to see that there were other um, people commenting on a parallel potential problem. And that is that when you have earbuds in, um, it causes social isolation almost by 
default. You know, I don't know how many times I've tried to get one of my kids' attention and they have no response at all. And I realize, oh, they've got their earbuds in. Um, and the reality is that for many of us, even at work, it's surprising to me how many people wear these all the time. And if you see somebody wearing them, you you know, sort of automatically know, well, I'm not going to try to talk to them because they've got those things in their ears and they can't hear me. And if you have them in, somebody could be trying to get your attention and you might not recognize it. So there's a very practical barrier. But uh, I read an article in Psychology Today that goes even a little bit deeper than that and says that psychologically, when we're pumping noise into our brains all the time, um, not only is that preventing relationships with other people, we could even be preventing a deeper relationship with ourselves. And the article doesn't talk about it, but I think it's not a big jump to say with God as well. Um, and this researcher, uh, his last name is Taylor. Um, he says, Jim Taylor is his name. He says, fully experiencing our inner lives is vital to knowing and understanding ourselves and acting in ways that nurture our mental health and well-being. With earbuds firmly inserted in our ears, we can't readily tell if we're feeling happy, sad, excited, content, frustrated, or in love because we're less likely to notice or think about our emotions. And not feeling the full spectrum of our emotions, we're missing out on what makes life meaningful and fulfilling and what makes us alive. For some, earbuds are a form of self-protection against a world they deem hostile or self-medication that keeps them from feeling whatever pain they are trying to anesthetize themselves from. I thought, wow, that is a really, really insightful quote on how constantly having noise piped in um, can really interfere with our inner lives. And in some ways, it's not unlike going home at the end of the day and just turning the TV on because you don't want to be in the silence, right? Only now, instead of a TV in the other room, we've got the noise piped, you know, a millimeter from our eardrums or a centimeter maybe. Uh, and it's just right there. And, and so I think it's, it's good to maybe ask ourselves, how am I using these things? How might they be interfering with my relationships with others, my understanding of myself and my relationship with God? And, oh, and uh, am I going deaf at the same time? <laughs> uh, so I read some research related to this. It's a couple of years old now. It's back from 2019. Um, German researchers. Now that's 2019, so that's really pre-COVID. My guess is these, <laughs> these stats have that these st these stats have only gotten worse. Pre-COVID, more than half the people um, interviewed in terms of wearing earbuds in their office all the time, more than half of them uh, said it was it was just to prevent other people from talking to them. Yeah, it, they're not listening to anything. Me. They're not listening right. to anything. They don't. They just yeah. don't want other people to bug them at work. Um, and so I got to think that post-COVID, um, earbuds have become even more of a tool to prevent other people from talking to us. And so the social yes. iso isolation uh, part of this is just uh, just huge. All right. Well, um, and more, Adam, pe and more yeah, people have them, right? I mean, I just mm. got my first pair like two weeks ago. I don't like sticking stuff in my ears. No, me either. So do you have the if, kind if that like, like sits behind... Sits behind your ear. What kind no, of? I don't know. Yeah. I have. They're super still cheap sticky ones. in your ear. Bucks. Do they yes, go in your exactly. ear or like behind it? Mm -hmm. They do. Yeah. No, they go mm -hmm. in. Yep. Mm -hmm. I can't do the in your ear thing. It's I, I just can't. So, 
I'm not an earbud person at all of any kind or variety. Like if I have headphones on, as of like right now, they're the giant kind that cover your Ginormous. head. Ginormous. Ginormous. Right. I'm Me like too. a 1970s earphone girl, headphone girl. Amen. There you go. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, all right. They, they look like uh, like like a head warmer. You know, like you would wear them. <laughs> what do you call those? Earmuffs. My, Earmuff. I am a fan of the earmuff style of uh, <clears throat> of headphone. Adam, as always, thank you so much. What a delight. Thanks, Carl. Yeah. We're going to take a break for Breakpoint with John Stone Street. All right, you guys uh, frequently communicate with me um, as, you know, part of our conversation about how we can pray for each other, frequently communicating about members of your family, um, siblings, children, nieces, nephews, the children of your friends, the grandchildren of your friends, um, kids in your church, on and on and on, um, dealing with sexual confusion and brokenness in the culture today. And so... um, Uh, This is like leapt into the news of late. Amy Grant has a niece uh, who is planning to marry another woman. And so, you know, there's all this conversation in the culture um, because Amy Grant, whose property is often used for um, things like camps and small Christian conferences and yes, weddings. um, You know, she's chosen to say yes to her niece's request to be married on her property. And we're going to talk about how we go about making those decisions as a Christian um, and the complexity of, um, of what happens in our family relationships and the dynamics of our Christian relationships when we have a child who departs from the way that they have been raised. Um, I have a dear friend now who is dealing with this um, with her own child. And there's some trauma involved in terms of this young woman's experience. Her first sexual encounter was not one of her own choosing. And it has changed the way she sees herself and relationships and sex and marriage and children and everything else. And so these are conversations we have to learn to have. Um, these are conversations that are necessary in the culture today. Um, and if it hasn't come into your house yet, it's headed your way. And so it's always good to talk with brothers and sisters in Christ who are dealing with it firsthand. Jay Louder is going to join us next from Harvest Ministries. This is a topic that, um, you know, he has firsthand experience with in his own family. Um, and, and he helps Christians approach the topic in a loving way. So some guidance lies ahead for um, awkward conversations. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Uh, all right, Ryan, do we have Jay Louder? 
We will hopefully soon, but we do not at the moment. (laughs) All right. We're going to talk amongst ourselves. So um, the topic is, hey, a a friend called me up and um, said, hey, there's something you need to know about your sister. There's something you need to know about your brother. There's something you need to know about your child or grandchild. There's something you need to know. Um, Has anybody ever had this experience where the information about the... um, lifestyle of one of your relatives wasn't something that they actually came out to you about, but that someone else actually um, brought to your attention. Anybody ever had that experience? Um, Text me. I'd love to love to engage with you. I will not read your name on the air, but just love to know, um, you know, if you have a member of your family who at any point in time has identified as gay, um, or bisexual, or non-binary. How did you come to know this? Like, did they tell you personally? Did someone else tell you? Is it something that a third party pointed out? Does that matter? Um, Because we want to talk about how how we respond. Um, And that there are times that we respond in the heat of the moment in a defensive manner. That's not helpful or healthy. Um, So how do we prepare ourselves in a culture like the one in which we now live to hear someone we love tell us that or hear someone um, share that information with us about someone we love? Just um, love to engage with you on this topic. Lots of families dealing with this across the country as an extraordinarily high percentage of young women in particular, but young men as well, um, increasingly do not identify as cisgender, heterosexual um, with an understanding of who they are as not only aligned with their biological reality, but with um, relational affections that reflect that biological um, reality. So, and you're saying, wow, Carmen's working really hard to figure out how to talk about this. That's because these conversations are awkward. These are awkward conversations. Uh, I don't want to hurt anyone as we talk about these things. And yet I also recognize that there's a lot of language that's hurtful, um, that triggers people in ways that are uh, continue to be unknown to those of us who do not um, have do, do not face these same kind of challenges and even describing it as a challenge. Maybe there's some of you saying, well, it shouldn't even be regarded as a challenge anymore. Well, it it is. It's challenging to. God's created order. It's challenging to God's design for human life. It's challenging to the witness of the church. It's challenging to those of us who want to love people well, um, but also recognize that God has uh, a standard that he regards as holiness. Um, So thank you for those of you who are texting in. The number is 877-933- two, four, eight, four. Um, we've got a friend texting in right now and says, well, yes, my nephew. Um, and I learned of it on his Facebook page when his status changed that he was engaged to another male. Yeah, that's a hard way to find out. That's a really hard way to find out. So when this sister or brother in Christ gets, uh, gets an invitation to a wedding, I mean, you know, engaged to be married, um, suggests that there is going to be a wedding. So presumably, you know, as this person's aunt or uncle, you're going to you're going to get an invitation to the wedding. 
Do you attend? Do you buy a gift? These are, I mean, these are real questions. Um, Do you plan for and anticipate that this nephew and the person who will be his husband um, are going to be invited to or excluded from future family events? This is, these are the conversations that every family in America is having. And so how do we have these conversations as Christians? We've, we've actually talked about this a fair amount here um, with people who have had these experiences in their own families and who teach on this subject matter frequently. Preston Sprinkle is one of my favorite um, sort of personalities, Christian personalities in relationship to this topic, because I think that Preston is uh, seemingly unafraid to basically have every conversation um, about all of these things. Um, but we've talked about um, help for families. That's got the number four in the middle of it. Um, we've talked with that particular ministry. Um, and yes, I'm riffing a little bit now because I had anticipated having uh, Jay Louder from Harvest Ministries in Wichita Falls on with us to talk about this. But um, helpforfamilies.org, that's the number four in the middle of that. That's Livingstone's Ministries. We've talked with them about when homosexuality or transgenderism, you know, hits home. And there's help for families struggling with that at helpforfamilies.org. Um, I'm thinking of my friend uh, Anne. You guys remember Anne? Um, the Restored Hope Network. One of the things that Anne has done, this is, um, this is important to know, because as soon as I say Anne and then I don't say her last name, some of you are like searching the mental uh, data bank, right? And you're like, oh, the Restored Hope Network. Yeah, I'm familiar with them. Um, we have a Restored Hope Network church in our community, let's say. Um, so it's restoredhopenetwork.org. Well, I have for many, many years, a couple of decades, known Anne, who heads up the Restored Hope Network. I have known her as Anne Polk. But Anne is now Anne Edward. Um, she has restored, recovered, reclaimed um, the name she grew up with. Um, she has, she's no longer known by Anne Polk because that is the name that she took when she made vows to her husband who subsequently, um, after they had two boys, left her and the boys um, to be in a relationship with another man. But for the benefit of her boys, so that their last name was the same as their mom's last name, Anne continued to be known as Anne Polk. Well, now that her boys are grown and, um, and out of the house, Anne has recovered, restored, uh, her given name. So she is now Anne Edward. So there's just lots, so many conversations, so many decisions to make, so many things that if you're not um, being forced to think about this in your family are things that as Christian brothers and sisters, we can think about together. Uh, Kathy says, hey, Carmen, you're handling this de- delicate subject well. Yes, in a conversation with myself. So thank you so much for um, te- texting in Um, your thoughts and comments related to this. Again, the text line is open 877-933-2484. All right, let's see. Um, mm, 
Yeah, so here we go. My son came out to me 22 years ago on my birthday. Um, He looked it up on the internet and he said, God still loves him and accepts him. My only response was, God still does love you. But God does not accept sin and I still love you. But I can't agree with this. 22 years and four partners later, um, one at a time, this friend notes, um, he is still gay and I am still praying and I love him so much, but my heart still hurts. Um, And by the way, it was the worst birthday ever. Yeah, Um, we're with you. We hear you. Um, And I think that the way that you have handled this with your son in terms of continuing to communicate your love and certainly communicating the unwavering love of God And yet, with the boundary, with the reality that this is not God's best, God has um, himself first and foremost. I'm thinking here about our conversation with Sam Alberry. Sam, I mean, openly acknowledges that he is a a person with same-sex attractions, but he's also a person deeply devoted to Christ. Um, And therefore, in, in a union with Christ, that means he is not in, uh, in a union with another person. Um, so another friend on Facebook says my daughter publicly came out on Facebook, commented about how, even though we don't agree with this issue, I am hoping, um, others will still see how to have a loving relationship. Amen. Um, however, she then proceeded to say some very unkind things, refused to get together to talk in person. And we have now not spoken in a couple of years. I'm so, so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. Um, this friend says, um, My daughter sees my beliefs as rejection, and I'm absolutely heartbroken. Let's pray. Father, we know that this breaks your heart, even as it breaks our hearts. And we ask that you would tenderly, tenderly uphold these parents who are texting in this morning, and grandparents and aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, everybody who is affected when a person we love Um, enters into um, a relationship that is less than your best for your design for human life and and flourishing. And so, Father, tend tenderly now by the power of your Holy Spirit to each and every one. Amen. We'll return to this subject in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. If you want to text in about the topic... The text number is 877-933-2484. How are you preparing for the reality of Jesus's last days, his passion, Holy Week, the Last Supper, the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas's betrayal, Peter's denials, Jesus being stripped and humiliated by soldiers and falsely accused by the Jews and subjected to mock trials and ultimately crucified? How are you planning to give those events in Jesus's life the attention they deserve? That's what the season of Lent is all about. The 40 days prior to Easter are set aside to prepare ourselves to face the reality of the cross and, yes, ultimately to celebrate the reality of the empty tomb. I invite you to join us in reading through the Bible together during Lent. The study will provide a way for you to intentionally engage each day with the Word of God. You can sign up today at MyFaithRadio.com as we read through the Bible together this Lent. All right. I love uh, the engagement um, this morning on the text line. Thank you so much. 877-933-2484. One friend texted in. Uh, Jackie Hill Perry 
uh, Gay Girl, Good God. Um, That is a fantastic book. Thank you so much for that reminder. Also reminds me of Christopher Yuan and his testimony. Again, um, those um, are faithful brothers and sisters with incredibly powerful testimonies um, related to this subject. And the subject is, what do I do? How do I respond? My niece, my nephew, my son, my daughter, uh, my grandchild, whom I desperately love, um, came out on their Facebook page or on social media as in a gay relationship or announced their wedding to a same-sex person, um, has rejected me and my beliefs, um, you know, as as hostile to their way of thinking. Um, so thank you. Um, I'm, uh, I'm looking at uh, all of the comments now that are coming in. A friend says, um, I have a niece who identifies as transgender. Um, she is now in a residential facility because um, there's this downward spiral and um, she frequently tries to take her own life. Um, another friend asking this question, the question on how we handle situations, which you describe should be whether our actions will ultimately bring glory to God. Yeah, that I totally agree. The glory of God and the good of people, right? Um, so this is about glorifying God and edifying people. And that's sort of the, you know, the, the one, two combo of the first and greatest commandment and the second is likened unto it. And so we are talking here about the love of God and the love of neighbor. We are talking here about um, the challenges that we face uh, in in dealing with. Um, this is not just any kind of sin, because this isn't isn't just a sin against God. It's a sin against the person's body, and it's also a sin against the other person whom God intends to be in a different kind of relationship than the one in which you're engaged. And that's really hard to say out loud, but that's the truth. Um, and it's a sin against God's design for the human family. And it's a sin. It, 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 it's a, it's not worse than other sins. It's desperately more complicated than other sins. Um, so this, uh, this friend says, this is a tough conversation. I grew up with a cousin who is my dear friend. We parted, went to different colleges, and she married a woman years ago. It's so hard to know how to love and accept um, her. And then this person says, friend, but this is this is her wife. This is the person she regards as her wife without them thinking that I condone their decision or their lifestyle. Um, it's very difficult that society has accepted and embraced this and other types of relationships. Um, yeah, yeah, they were evasive of our family um, for about uh, for about ten years, um, and no, this uh, this friend says I would never attend a same sex wedding. Um, yeah, I think everybody's making um, decisions related to this, and I think that the decisions that one family makes in relationship to this versus the decision that another family makes, then I am going to absolutely show um, tremendous grace to you in the way that you handle it in your family. And um, and expect that you will show grace um, to me and mine um, when we have to deal with the same. Right. Uh, And so uh, Joe says, um, yeah, maybe here's a good time to talk about Leviticus 18. Yeah, um, I 
I recognize that there are scriptures, lots of them, to bring to bear on this conversation. I would highlight Romans chapter 1. If you've not read it recently, um, this is a good time to expose yourself to the teaching of Romans chapter 1. I would turn to the New Testament teaching on um, where Jesus affirms marriage. Not only does he attend one, he then affirms what uh, what is said in Genesis about marriage and its design. Um, I would focus on the positive, uh, not the negative in relationship to this. It is That is going to be a really hard sell if you start quoting the scriptures, particularly from Leviticus on this subject, because people are just going to counterpunch with other um, verses of Leviticus that talk about other things that um, are not laws we keep today in our culture. And so I'm not saying that that's not true, that what it says there is not true. I am saying we do not live under the Levitical laws in the same way um, that people did prior to the coming of Christ. And so we have to nuance our conversation um, in ways that demonstrate that we do understand and have an interpretive key that we use related to the scriptures. Um, and so I would absolutely highlight what Jesus says about human sexuality and human relationships, his affirmation of marriage between one man and one woman, his celebration um, of marriage between a man and a woman as his first miracle um, at the wedding at Cana, and what he says in 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 when he's asked about divorce. That's where Jesus teaches about marriage. That's where Jesus teaches about God's good design for human life. Uh, And so I would just encourage you to highlight those passages because um, in my own experience over the course of a long ministry, uh, talking about um, the degradation of the human body and the destruction to it when um, same-sex relationships are entered into, uh, that often falls on very deaf ears. This is definitely a let those who have ears hear kind of conversation. All right. Wow. Uh, lots of you texting in on this topic. Obviously, we have a um, a lot to unpack here. So thank you so much um, for your engagement on the topic. Give me a minute to read through some of these texts on my own so that when we come back from this final break, we can unpack a couple more. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right. Um, yes, those of you making reference to Romans chapter one, absolutely. Those of you making reference to the Ten Commandments, yeah, the discussion there about the sanctity of marriage is really important. Um, I think also what Hebrews says about keeping the marriage bed undefiled. I think the teachings um, of Jesus, you know, it's not just about adultery; it's about lusting in our hearts um, after after people in a way that does not reflect the heart of God nor the value. Um, of of that human being, um, got uh, got testimonies here over and over and over again. Um, uh, this uh, this friend says my older sister came out to me about thirty five years ago, and I thought she was joking, um, but she had had a number of traumatic and abusive things happen to her at the hands of several men. She is now married to the second woman that she dated. They've been together for twenty two years. Um, I was not invited uh, to the wedding because they knew my values about same-sex relationships. 
And I would not have gone even if I had been invited. I still believe deep down in my heart um, that she's not gay. Um, yeah, I, um, these are tremendously deep and challenging conversations. I, I just want to say thank you for your willingness to engage today. Um, you know, we didn't have a third, a third person in the conversation to talk with, but maybe that was, um, you know, the desire of God's heart. Um, let him work today in and through you and in every relationship. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.